Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Coffee and Chit Chat with Kim. I am your host, of course, Kim. So what's up, everybody? Um, It is Saturday. I'm coming to you a day early. My episodes have been a little wonky lately, right? We've been doing ones on Wednesdays and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? That's the way we're going to roll right now because um, when I feel inspired, I come on here and I make an episode. So sorry, you might get an extra one one week and you might not. But yeah, that's what we're doing today. So what's going on, everybody? What's going on um, around your house, in your life? Um, here, uh, well, we, we've we had an eventful week, can I just say. Um, when, when it rains, you know. Um, so we're going to talk all about that today. We're going to catch up a little coffee and chit chat as the name suggests. So I have my cup of coffee with, um, my creamer and today I added a little extra cinnamon in there because I was just feeling it, you know? So I got my coffee. You guys grab your potion of choice and, um, let's catch up, right? So today's episode, what we're going to talk about, um, is... Sharks coming closer to shore because of overfishing. And it is a problem. I live on Long Island. As most of you know, if you've been watching the news or aware that Long Island is a breeding ground for sharks. And um, there have been quite a few very close encounters this season with a lot of sharks. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why that's happening. A lot of people think that sharks come up to shore because they want to eat humans, and that is absolutely not the case. Um, so we're going to talk about what's going on out in the water and um, and uh, overfishing and why that's a problem and all that good stuff. Before we do, let's catch up and let me talk about what's going on this week. So this week, Um, I think I've talked about it before. If not on here, then I've mentioned it definitely on TikTok and Instagram. Um, My chickens. uh, Okay, so let me back up. I have, well, I had a flock of eight chickens. Out of those eight chickens, seven of them were layers. One chicken, the matriarch, doesn't lay eggs anymore. She's basically just living out the rest of her best life and doing whatever she pleases because she's the boss. Um, So... Okay, so I had eight, right? So um, one day I was talking to my friends um, on FaceTime. And then when we got done with our conversation, I went outside and I was like, oh, let me go check on the garden and the girls. Because sometimes when I just want to center myself, I just go outside and I walk barefoot on the earth. Um, It's called grounding. And it's very important to me. So I was going to do that. And um, I went back to the coop area and it was kind of weird. It was about 11 a.m. I'm going to say. And I went back there and some of the girls were hiding under a tree. And when I looked, um, my girl was completely messed up. My girl, Willa May, she was not in good shape. Um, she had been attacked by something. And after seeing her, I immediately removed her from the rest of the flock and isolated her because nature is nature. And, um, when they see a weaker, animal they they pick on it and um you know that's just the way nature is so um i separated her from the rest of the flock and put her 
in a smaller coop that I have that I use for transition from chick to full grown chicken. Um, when they're in the middle around those um, teenage years, as I like to say, they go in that smaller coop. So I never got rid of it. I held on to it for instances just like this to use as a hospital for the chickens. Um, so I put her in there and then I went inside the coop and I had two other dead chickens. And my coop has been here since I moved in. Uh, I rent this, this area here and the coop was already there. It is an old barn shed that they turned into a chicken coop. So on one side, the opposite side of my property, it, it kind of borders on the property line and the property in back of us is owned by the same person. Um, he's a landlord that owns this whole area. So there are shed doors on the opposite side that I don't go through, but they're there. And, um, I was like, oh my God, something got in. I'm checking the doors and the doors at the top, um, the doors are really old. So maybe a raccoon could have pulled them back and got in there. But after investigating further, I did find a small hole at the peak um, of the roof. And we, after thinking and thinking and thinking, we really figured out that it's a possum. Just by the way that the chickens were being attacked, um, on the body, they're being attacked from the rear end of their body. And that is, um, that's what happens when a possum attacks a chicken. So we, um, we moved to the girl. Well, before we moved to the girls and before I found all of this out, I didn't really think anything of it. And I was, I blamed myself every day for the other chicken, um, came out the next day in the morning and one other chicken was dead. And I was really very confused because I didn't know what was going on. Um, so in total, I have four dead chickens. I have four chickens left, right? Okay, so everybody's, everybody's counting with me here. So when I found that other dead chicken in the coop, um, my, my golden lace Wyandotte Emily I saw, I looked at her, I thought she was molting at first, and then I looked again, and she was attacked. So all of her back um, was kind of like ripped open. Uh, she's still alive. I don't know how, but she's still alive. So again, I immediately separated her from the rest of the crew, and I moved the whole flock out of that area at that point, and we are totally reconstructing that coop to make it predator safe. Um, but right now it's been a whirlwind and it's just, it's been a lot. So now they're all in the teenage coop, right? But I have Emily separated. So I have a pet carrier for my dog that I put her in at night to keep her extra safe away from any type of anything that's going to get on her because her back is open. She's healing, but it's open. Um, so during the day, she stays in the bottom of that coop, which is like a little pen that she can walk around with and she's on the ground. And at night, the other three girls go up in the coop box and I keep them separated. So I made like a little barrier around the coop, right? Thinking that my chickens would just stay there and be grateful to be alive. No, of course not. Why should they? they decided that they're now going to become free range chickens and they have um, 
basically flipped me off in every sense that they could ever do. And they now free range in the backyard and they have been putting themselves to bed in the small coop. They fly up into the, the teenage coop at night, which is awesome because I was chasing them around every night for uh, a few days until they were like, oh, mom wants us to go in here. Okay, no problem. We'll go in here. So uh, yeah, it's been a chicken disaster, a little bit of a heartbreak. Willa May did pass. Um, Willa May was a special chicken to me. She was my pet. Um, in the mornings when I would go out and let them out, the other seven chickens could give a shit about me. They just wanted the food. Willa May, when a chicken is submitting um, to you, you know, they will kind of crouch down so that you can pick them up. Uh, and she would do that every morning when she came out. She would crouch down so I would pick her up. And she liked uh, when I would hum to her and just pet her and talk to her. So when I found her, um, and I still get a little bit upset, but when I found her, it really broke my heart. And uh, I decided at that point that if any of my other chickens were to go, um, I'm not going to replace my flock and I'm still not going to replace my flock right now. I have probably one egg layer if I'm two, if I'm lucky. Um, but that's okay. That's it'll do for my needs right now. Um, it's not going to be an overabundance of eggs, but it'll be enough to survive. And there are plenty of people around here. I know with backyard chickens that I can buy eggs from. I just, I don't want to go through it all again. Um, raising them from chicks just to, not be in the environment that I want to be with them right now. So we do have plans in a few years to buy some property in upstate New York. And at that time, I will have the most awesome flock of chickens I have ever seen. I want to get a lot of different types of chickens. I want a beautiful rainbow basket of eggs. So yeah, so there's that. <laughs> um, also, the fall garden, my beans are growing. Uh, some of the cabbages have started to, I can see the second leaves coming in. Um, still little bitty tiny plugs. I don't know what's happening with the fall garden. I really kind of just thrown my hands up in the air. Because, you know, at the end of August, if you've been gardening for a while, my homesteaders and my gardeners out there, my farmers, you know, the end of August, that's garden burnout, right? You're just like so done. It's so hot. Things are just... It's a struggle to keep them alive right now between the heat and I'm going through a drought situation and the pest problems and it just becomes a burnout. And if you do successfully grow a fall garden, you know that fall gardening is so much nicer than your spring and summer garden because one, less pests. Two, you don't get eaten alive while you're out there trying to garden. And three, it's not so freaking hot where you can actually go out there and work in your garden without dying from heat stroke. So, yeah, so there's a lot going on in the garden out there. A lot of um, reevaluating, recalibrating, thinking about what am I going to change? What am I going to do? Getting some ideas, really, really leaning towards row covers on my raised beds. Um, it will help keep the pest population off my plants. Uh, it'll provide some shade when you need to for the, the garden out there for the different plants. Sometimes, you know, being in the 
heat with the blistering sun on is not good for your plants either. So it'll provide a little bit of shade. Hopefully it'll keep some pests out of there. But my biggest one is we'll keep the animals from getting at them, right? The deer won't be able to eat them. And I'm hoping that the cats can't piss on them. So I think it's a win-win for everybody. I saw a really cool idea that, um, on TikTok, actually, it was this woman, she took, you know, those green little garden stakes. She took those, she put them in the edges of her garden bed, and then she took PVC piping and she made the hoops. And then she just put the, the cover on top of it, the row cover on top of it. And it was like, I'm like, why didn't I think about that? Right. And I'm thinking for my tomatoes, kind of doing the same thing, but making almost like a, like a cage around it. I don't know. We'll see. I have a lot of things to consider. Um, so yeah, <laughs> there's that. It's been a, a crazy week. And to top it all off, the icing on the cake is that I no longer have a job. So yeah, it's been, it's been, um, a week, right? And the whole time I'm just like, I just, can I have any more in my face? Like the universe telling me this isn't for you. This isn't for you. And a friend of mine pointed it out to me, which is so clever. Um, if you guys don't know, I am a witch. I, I do practice. Um, and if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know completely where I'm coming from. Um, I do work with the deity, the Morrigan. And the other day when my whole job thing was going down, there was a crow, um, Raven, just yelling at me for a good amount of time while this was all going down. And I was, I was like, I got to tell my friend, you know, so I went in and, and I told my friend and she pointed out to me, she was like, the queen knows that it would take a lot, like, it, and she's right. It did take a lot for me to just be like, okay, that's just not for me. Let me stop trying. Because at the farm um, that I was working at, they um, didn't like the fact that I was neurodivergent and I came them came to them with honesty, letting them know that I could no longer um, do the summer camp with the kids for me. It just wasn't working for me. And um, I was really having a very big problem and struggling with it. And when I told them that, they obviously didn't think that that was a good enough excuse, I guess, or I don't know, but they were angry with me that I left. Um, I was supposed to return in the fall to teach the one hour classes. And um, up until like a day before they told me that I was not invited back, the person who coordinates all that stuff was kind of just going along with it and leading me along and telling me that, um, you know, people were reviewing my curriculum and this and that and making up excuses. And the whole time I'm pretty sure it wasn't true. And, um, I put a lot of effort and work into, um, the curriculum and different things that I made for my upcoming classes that I thought I would be teaching. And because I was 
not able to perform for them over the summer, I am not invited back for the fall um, because I was honest. So yeah, I'm a little salty about that right now. Um, but the whole point of it is, is that um, the Morgan, I think, knew that I needed it to be knocked down, drag out, nasty for me to leave there. And that's what she made it um, to get my attention, to let me know that that's not where I belonged. And now I see that. At the time, I was hurt. I was angry. I was confused and upset. Um, but now I understand that that's just not my place. And uh, for many, many different reasons that uh, we won't get into on this episode, but um, might come to the surface in the future. I'm not sure whether I want to share or not, but um, yeah, so it just, it didn't work out. And um, that's a whole nother podcast in itself, right? When neurodivergent people have to over explain themselves or uh, explain their diagnosis or the way their mind works to people who do not have any type of disability or anything like that, who, you know, neurotypical people don't understand what neurodivergent people go through on a daily basis, like a minute by minute basis. Sometimes it feels like that for me that I can only take my life minute by minute because that's the only thing my brain can handle. And a lot of people don't understand that. But you know what? It's not my job to educate them, right? It's not my job to over explain myself to make them understand. That's not my job. Um, my job is to speak my truth, and I did. So whatever. Moving on to the next great adventure, right? I don't know what's in store for me, but um, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to step into my my true place. So we'll see what that is. Um, but yeah, so as you can see, I've had a lot going on this week. And um I don't know. It's just really kind of opened my eyes to the world a little bit more. And it's sad. That's all I can say. So let me go ahead, take a break after all of this gossiping and, you know, diary of the mouth that I just spewed onto you guys, which is also because of my neuro spicy brain. But we're going to take a few minutes. Let me go ahead and warm up my coffee. Go and do what you need to do and meet me right back here. We're going to talk about overfishing and why the sharks are coming up so close. I wonder what it could be. All right, stay tuned. All right, everybody, welcome back. Thank you for sticking around. So let's get into what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to talk about why the sharks are coming close and could it be from overfishing? And what does that mean? What is overfishing? So let's talk about a few things um, about that today because I think it's very important and people need to be aware because I'll give you guys a hint. Um, the sharks don't want to eat us. They, they don't want us. They just want the food that we're taking from them. So um, because they can't open their mouth and speak to us, you know, they bite us because they don't know what we are. And I am not going to lie to you. I am absolutely terrified of sharks. I am 
terrified because of listening to the stories growing up and everything that people used to say about the sharks and made us scared and everything. But, um, I don't know. So let's, first of all, let me talk about overfishing. What is overfishing? So fishing is one of the most significant drivers of declines in the ocean wildlife population, right? So catching fish is not inherently bad for the ocean, except for when those those boats catch fish faster than they can replenish, right? So this is called overfishing. And the number of overfished stocks globally have tripled in half a century. A half a century, you guys, they've tripled. And today, fully one third of the world's assessed fisheries are currently pushed beyond their limit, right? So they're trying to spawn these fish and get them out there so fast, but they're being pushed to their limits that they can't do it fast enough um, because of overfishing, right? So it's a problem. So according to the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, this is this is the organization that's giving us this information. Overfishing is closely tied to bycatch. What's what's that? That is when, you know, the fishermen put their nets out there and they capture unwanted sea life while fishing for a different kind of fish, right? So it's like when you put the net out there and you see People catch dolphins in their net. They catch sea turtles in their net. They catch all kinds of crustaceans in their nets, you know? And they're, they just, they just become a product of overfishing. So yeah, not good. The damage done by overfishing goes beyond the marine environment though. Billions of people rely on fish for their protein and fishing is the principal livelihood for millions of people around the world. Many people who make a living catching, selling, and buying fish are working very hard to improve how the world manages and conserves ocean resources. So, you know, stakeholders and different companies and stuff like that, they need to start uh, reforming these fisheries management they, globally, you know, focus on, focusing on a more sustainable practice that not only will conserve the ecosystems, but also sustain livelihoods and ensure food security. So that's a little bit about overfishing, right? It's, it's just, and also overfishing, um, that also has to deal with people who don't report everything that they catch, right? So I know it's kind of insane. Some, And I have my opinions about it too. I live on an island. Why do I have to pay to go fishing? This is part of our culture, right? But you have to pay to go fishing so that it is controlled, so that there is some kind of limit because we do have to consider that we're going into somebody else's world, right? Some other species' world. We don't live in the ocean, but we're going there to get food. That would be like all of a sudden aliens from outer space came onto the earth and started taking our food and they took all of it and we're left starving. So it's kind of like what we're doing to the ocean, right? So I'm not saying that you shouldn't go out there and go fishing. Please, by all means, do so if that's your thing. But remember while you're doing so, only take what you need. Don't be greedy. Let's leave some food for the sharks and the other marine life out there that depends on that, okay? All right, so let's see. So 
this is also a problem too because people overfish sharks. People are fishing sharks. They are hunting the hunter. Why? Why? Why are you doing that? Stop it. Sharks and rays take a very long time to reach sexual maturity. And when they can finally reproduce, they don't really have a lot of babies, right? They have very few offsprings every like one to, I think it said one to three years. So they do not produce millions of eggs as other fish species do. Therefore, they simply cannot replenish their numbers once they are hunted commercially. So can, can we please stop hunting sharks? I really don't see the reason for it. Generally speaking, all apex predators suffer from this biological limitation. All right. They have evolved to hunt, not to be hunted. So stop it. It's so annoying. Commercial fishing is devastating um, to the, it's devastating the shark and the ray population all over the world, not just here on the island. It's everywhere. And still, some people doubt that the vast oceans can be depleted and that our practices are changing the natural systems. They are. We are affecting the entire planet. Just think that one person who goes fishing, right? You pay for your fishing license. You're like, yes, I got a brand new rod. I got some cool stuff. I'm going to go out and go fishing. Let's just say for the sake of an example, right? He's allowed to catch five fish, right? He knew that when he paid for the fishing permit, the rules were given to him, tags, this and that, whatever he needs, right? But let's call him Dave. Dave goes out on his boat and he's going fishing. Dave knows he can only catch five fish, but Dave's like, oh yeah, but I'm having such a great day. They're biting. There's so many fish. And he continues to fish 10 fish. Now, if everybody thought that way like Dave did, um, we're going we're gonna to have a depleted ocean, you guys. It's true, okay? It's true. It's going to happen. It is often argued that shark fisheries can be sustainable, but there are few to none that have proven to be that over time. Just, just leave the sharks alone right? We don't need to try to make new sharks. Just leave them alone and they'll make themselves. Uh, adding to the problem is, like I said, illegal, unreported, and underreported fishing and the high death toll of accidental bycatch. You guys, you guys. Oh, it is predictable that our actions will be destroying the remaining populations of sharks and rays in a matter of years, not decades, you guys, years. The result is not only a loss of apex predators, but dire consequences for fish populations and coral reef health. It is a domino effect that is far-reaching and complex. Overfishing goes far beyond sharks, right? But this is what I just decided to talk about today because on the news. I feel like every weekend this summer, there's been news. Oh, another shark attack. Sharks are coming up close. They're swimming in a foot of water. What's going on? What's going on? And everybody is acting so completely ignorant to the fact that we live on an island, number one. Number two, we are going into their home. Okay. So as a human, we're supposed to be the highest species, right? The most evolved, the most intelligent species, but yet... And this is just hilarious to me, actually. Just think about this, okay? We're the most intelligent species. We see on the news, oh, shark attacks. 
but Sally and Dave have a plan to go to the beach this weekend. And Sally really likes to go swimming, even though she saw that last week and there was a shark there. Oh, he's probably gone by now. So Sally goes into the water and lo and behold, wouldn't you know it? There are sharks in the water. Who would have thunk it, right? On Long Island. Oh my goodness. There's sharks in the water. Yeah, no, duh. Get out of the water. If you don't want to be bit by a shark, get out of the water. You guys, it's really not that hard. Honestly, if you go to a beach on the island, and I'm going to tell you, Robert Moses is probably one of the best shark spots ever. So if you go there and you willingly go in that water and then are surprised that there are sharks in there, I really think that you need to start educating yourself about what lives in the water and Long Island culture. Okay. It just aggravates me because people act so stupid. They're like, oh, the sharks are coming close. Oh no, there's sharks in the water. Yeah, no, duh. That's kind of where they live. We're intruding in their home. Just remember that respect, respect goes both ways. And some people are like, really, Kim, are you that crazy? You're going to talk about respect for a shark? Yeah, absolutely. You need to respect nature. And a lot of people don't. And that's why this stuff is happening, you guys. I really can't stress that enough to you, okay? Oh, yeah. It's just, it's really... Um, really crazy. So I mentioned before about bycatch, right? As mentioned in the previous, uh, bycatch is not always accidental. Mm -hmm. Mitigation methods exist, but they are not used because they may be more time consuming, more expensive, or simply avoided because the bycatch is not quite as unintended as they would like us to believe. That is certainly the case with sharks. Right? The excuse that all sharks are unintended catch really doesn't hold up in many cases. But legally, as long as the sharks don't seem to be targeted and are on the list of permitted bycatch species, it's essentially a no-limit shark fishery. So, yeah, you guys, there's lots of things going on out there that we need to be aware of. And um, I don't know, if people were killing me, I probably might want to get a little bit closer to find out what the hell is going on. I just... Just a thought. All right. So let's see. What else can we talk about? Well, let's talk about the shark bites and the sightings on Long Island. And let's give a little history about Long Island sharks, right? So several reports of shark bites, injuries, and uh, uh, you know, a spate of sighting, sightings of the marine predators off the northeast coast of the United States. That's us. They, everybody is like, ah, you know, upset and crazy. But New York, Long Island, um, and Cape Cod, the peninsula of Massachusetts, where many of the recent suspected shark encounters have taken place, um, experiencing anything exceptional, yes and no. So globally, shark attacks are at a similar level to previous years. Um, this is kind of like that time of year, right? This is when we always hear about sharks coming up close, shark attacks, blah, 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 blah. So we are right on trend for this time of year. I think globally, we usually get between 70 and 80 unprovoked bites by sharks around the world. That's a global phenomenon around the world, okay? One year, we might have two or three bites in Hawaii in rapid succession. And next year, it could be 
in like Western Australia or this year it's off the coast of Long Island. So, um, last year, I think in Florida, it was last year, there were 73 confirmed unprovoked cases of shark bites in line with a five year average of 72 incidents annually. So there were 11 shark related fatalities. However, those are up from an average of five per year. I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? So the sharks that swimmers have encountered off of Long Island are seeking out food. They're not targeting humans. Most have been identified as sand tiger sharks, uh, which while they look pretty scary, aren't considered to be aggressive. Still, I don't think I'd want to swim with one. Just saying. They have been... Uh, they have likely been venturing into the coastal waters to prey on an abundant shoals of bait fish close to the shore because it's been so nice outside. People are going fishing more. I can tell you that when I go to the beach, I see at least four fishermen pass me to go down to the water and out. So they're out there. People are fishing. Now, if you have bait fish out there, you're going to attract more than what you intend. Just remember that, right? So the shoals were particularly dense this year because of warm ocean currents peeling off from the Gulf Stream in the Atlantic Ocean and extending up to the northeast. These waters are richer in chlorophyll, allowing plankton to bloom, which also draws in bait fish. Now, you guys, can I just tell you that um, if you listen to my episode about oyster farming, I talk about when I was out there, right? So when I was out there one day... um, I nearly shit my pants and I'm not going to lie. I was really scared and I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to go on the boat and just be done with this now because you're out there standing in the middle of the bay. Um, But there were schools of fish that were obviously going through that area and the bluefish were chasing them. Well, when I tell you when that bluefish jumped out of the water, Um, I had a frigging heart attack because I didn't know what it was, what was swimming around me. And I was like, yeah, done. I can't. I was so scared. But these bait fish, they they are in schools of like hundreds of thousands sometimes or even millions sometimes. Right. And when they get quite close to shore, the sharks follow them. The sharks are swimming around trying to chase their dinner. The people are swimming around splashing and playing with their beach balls and blah, blah, blah. The surf zone gets quite murky because of all the energy and the sharks are all jangled up because they're excited to see all this food. Once in a while, they make a mistake, you know? (laughs) Contributing to the problem is a sand tiger shark nursery that was discovered in 2016 off of the coast near um, Long Island's Great South Bay, which I was standing in the middle of, where sharks ranging from several months to five years in age feed and grow. These sharks are born off of the southeastern U.S. coast before migrating north and spending their summer in New York waters and returning south again in the fall, according to the wildlife conservation. Unlike adult sand tiger sharks, which are up to nine feet long, the four to five foot long juveniles may go closer to the shore to chase the fish. As you can imagine, same with any mammals, juveniles aren't always as experienced, right? So they don't have as much pattern recognition skills as adults do. And we suspect strongly that it's the juveniles and their judgment and discernment between what is somebody's foot and what's a, uh, you know, bony fish scales, 
that's when it starts getting a little iffy around there, right? So you got a bunch of teenage sharks and they're running around chasing fish. So the other shark that people are concerned about are the great whites, of course. Of course, um, if you've ever seen Jaws, yeah. So the different dynamics have been at play off of Cape Cod. That's where normally you're going to find the great whites. They've also been found off of the off of Montauk, which is here on the island, kind of like the same area, you know, um, not too far from Cape Cod. We're not far. Um, but there have been several great white sharks that have been spotted this summer, prompting the closure of at least one beach. Um, but there have been no reports of shark bites for them up there. During the summer and fall, the white sharks, they hunt seals, right? So that's their preferred prey along the region shoreline, which can bring them close to beach populations. So that's where the, the seals hang out. So that's of course where the sharks are gonna go. Um, and then based on tagging data from 14 sharks, a study released last year in the journal Wildlife Research found that they spent almost half of their time at the depths of 15 feet or less. This means there is a high potential for their presence in recreational waters that you know swimmers and surfers go in. Until now, we didn't know just how much time they spent in shallow water, right? So now you know, so be careful. Um, the North Chatham, Massachusetts-based nonprofit provides funding and resources for scientific research to improve public safety. So yeah, so the Atlantic White Shark Conservat Conservatory, um, you need to go check them out because they're really trying to do good things. The population of great white sharks off of Cape Cod has increased in tandem with the local seal population, which only makes sense, right? So which rebounded in the decades following the Marine Animals Protection Act of 1972. Thank you very much for passing that. It's the only place in the Atlantic Ocean where white sharks congregate. To date, around 300 white sharks have been identified and tagged by researchers, but there's no official um, population estimate or anything like that. Since 2012, there have been four unprovoked attacks by white sharks on humans along the coast of Cape Cod, including one fatal attack in 2018, the first in Massachusetts since 1936. So see, further proving that they're not trying to eat us. We probably taste like shit, honestly. They're just trying to go and live their shark life in their home where we don't belong, right? So no matter what type of shark, don't swim or surf one by yourself and don't swim near big shoals of fish or if you spot seals nearby, don't wear jewelry in the water that a shark could confuse for a shimmer of fish scales. If you do spot a shark, back out of the water slowly. Do not panic and splash around like I would have. Um, yeah, I'm just telling you, bluefish chasing little fish is freaking terrifying when you're standing in the middle of it it's it's not a it's not a good day <laughs> but um so yeah so fishermen hear me please um let's just remember that when we go into the water one we're going into somebody else's house right so let's make sure that we respect it respect the ocean respect the the marine life that's in the ocean. And don't be surprised if you see a shark, they live there. So if we want to make sure that sharks stay out and away from the beach, 
let's just consider these few things, right? When we're going out fishing and commercial fishermen, please, with the nets, are you serious? Come on, bycatch, let's, let's just knock it off. Knock it off. Stop trying to take shortcuts. Stop doing illegal shit. And let's rebuild our ocean, right? We need to give these fish time to repopulate before we go out there and we just take everything. And then the sharks are going to come looking for, for food because they're hungry. So that's why they're coming closer. So listen, one plus one equals two, right? Let's just think about this. But let's think about some uh, cool fun facts about sharks. Large sharks have a bite twice as powerful as that of a lion and experts uh, and exert a pressure of up to 40,000 pounds per inch. Whoa. Yeah. Sharks can only swim forward because their fins are stiff and cannot be controlled by muscles. That's pretty cool. Um, they have an amazing sense of hearing. They can hear prey up to 3,000 feet away. Um, and sharks have the thickest skin of any animal species. Some sharks even have skin that are six inches thick. So if you're bringing a small knife to the game for protection, you might want to think about a bigger knife. Um, yeah, the sharks have actually survived five mass extinctions, including the one that killed the dinosaurs, right? So there are probably more sharks out there than you think. Today, there are more than 450 known species of sharks living, but who knows what's in the ocean? We don't. So when you go in there, just respect it. Respect the, the life that lives there. We can share, right? Let's leave enough food for them and just take what you need. Don't be greedy. And again, it comes down to respect. So that's my little piece I wanted to talk about today. Please, everybody on Long Island, don't be so surprised when you go to the beach and there's a shark because that's where they live. It's not a surprise, um, but be careful. Be careful with your children. Be careful with your pets going to the beach and going in the water. Just be careful. Use caution. Use your brain. All right. So that's going to be it for me today. I have a lot of stuff to get done today. Um, I'm going away in a few days on a much-needed holiday. So get out there, get your hands dirty, get your gardens ready for the fall, go fishing, take what you need, leave the rest for the sharks, and then maybe we won't get eaten. All right? Thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, please remember to just be kind. I love you guys. See you next time.